0: I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Today's guest seems to have accomplished it all, but she's still on the hunt for something more. Katrina Young learned ambition at a young age from her grandmother who just happens to be an Olympian for track and field. You'll see that ambition right away in her story as she was competing at a very high level in both gymnastics and diving for many years at the same time. Although her dreams of collegiate trophies never quite came to fruition, she didn't give up. Katrina dug deep, changed her mindset, and pushed forward knowing that her biggest dream was still very possible. Katrina is now a two-time Olympian and a five-time world medalist. And she's actually heading out to Doha right now to compete in the 2024 World Aquatic Championships. And she is competing from February 3rd through the 5th. So keep up with the latest news from world championships at worldaquatics.com. In this episode, Katrina gets real with us, sharing the ups and downs of her journey, her biggest struggle, and her passions and talent outside of the pool. And as Katrina makes a run for her third Olympic Games in Paris this year, Her intentions may look a little bit different. Her goal is to compete with her heart on her sleeve to be fully herself, allowing for her best performance yet. All right, Pursuit Peeps, it's a brand new year, which means it's the perfect time to start evaluating your skill set and figuring out how you can grow and become an even better athlete in 2024. If you've been wanting to start harnessing your mental game, but you're not sure where to start, I have the perfect free gift for you. I created a guide with the top 10 mental skills that every athlete must have. And it's not just a list of the skills, but it's a guide and a self-assessment to help you kickstart your journey to confidence. Go grab your free guide over at laurawilkinson.com slash skills. That's laurawilkinson.com slash skills. Before we get started, make sure you smash that subscribe button and give Pursuit of Gold a five-star review but truly the best way you can help us grow is to tell your friends about this podcast. Share your favorite episodes, spread the word. That helps us continue to grow, which helps us bring you more resources, tools, and inspiration. All right, I believe that there's gold in your future, so let's dive on into this episode. Katrina Young, I am so excited
1: to finally welcome you
0: to the Pursuit (laughs) of
1: Gold podcast. Thank you for having me. I feel honored that you would have me on here. You're one of my Olympic heroes growing up. You've inspired me. So to be talking to you on your podcast is a huge honor.
0: Oh my gosh, you're adorable. I feel like I've watched you grow up. I mean, you've been yeah. around, like we crossed over a little bit and then I've watched yeah. you. And well, then I decided to come back and try to, you know, Woo. chase your tail a little bit there. Didn't do a very good job. But I've watched you do these amazing things, two Olympic teams, three world medals. Like, I mean, it's phenomenal. So I'm I'm excited to like, dive in and and learn stuff about you, I probably don't know yet. So I'm really stoked about that.
1: (laughs) Oh, I just, I want to stop you really quick and say you did an amazing job coming back because most people would never have the courage to put themselves out there when they have a whole nother life happening with a family and taking care of kids and doing other projects. So the fact that you did that is really inspiring. I thought you did a phenomenal Mm. job.
0: Well, thank you. I, you know, when we're high achievers though, it it feels really uncomfortable going into an event right. unprepared. And like we, because okay. it was coming off the COVID year, I thought this is yeah. great. I've got all this time, but we weren't allowed onto a 10 meter until like, oh. I don't know, six weeks before. So, you know, it was really frustrating to oh. do that and like not have the time I needed because I hadn't, no, you know, I yeah. didn't have the time behind me, you know, with training yeah. and stuff it was a little bit frustrating to go into it like that, but it was yeah. cool to be in that environment and to like be yeah. with you guys again and kind of be in it. My my kids were there watching. So like I it know. was, it's I do so have precious. good takeaways from it, even though like the diving yeah. fringe. like
1: fringe. <laughs> it, it's hard because there's no workaround for time on 10 meter platform. Like it hits your body in a way that nothing else can compare to. You can do, you can right. lift, you can do flips, you can do side drills off the pool. It's just like, the impact on your shoulders and traps you have to do months in advance to get mm-hmm. your body used to it again and ready to perform
0: yeah oh for sure and i just didn't the, the years leading up to that I, you know neck surgery bringing a kid home from ethiopia like there was zero consistency oh so like it's one thing if you know you're injured or out for a little bit and you can visualize mm-hmm. and be in there but like i didn't have the yeah. physical backing to like back no. that up <laughs>
1: you know yeah so, what do you do it was amazing. still fun yeah well you could you know you, you think there. like
0: as we age, I'm not going to say yeah. we're getting old, but as we age, I'm, like, no,
1: I'm getting there. I'm, I'm older. I'm 32 now. So just I'm getting a baby there. girl, just a baby. <laughs> but like, you know, it is harder
0: on your body. And so like, you think yeah. when I'm done, I'll never do this again. So like, I got to enjoy it. But like, so it was, it was a treat just to get to do the dives again. So like that was yeah, special yeah. in itself because I just love diving. Like, it's just fun. I'm just a I nerd. Know. You know, I love it.
1: I know. And we did a synchro camp together. I gotta to do some synchro with you, which like that I'll was always fun. remember. Aww, yeah. That's so fun. I, I
0: loved that. Like I just gotten back in and so we were fun. like all like mixing and matching. I'd never been to a synchro camp before. I thought that was really oh I sort of had, but it wasn't the same way. It was like it not same. a happy, fun vibe like we had there. So that was cool. Yeah. And you got to watch me smack. I think was it on a back do- No, it was the backdrop on the side of the pool. Oh, the backdrops. Oh, those are hard. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? I was like, I haven't done a back dive on tower since I was like fifteen. Yeah. So we were doing the drops off
1: the side of the pool, and yeah, I like the
0: my hips under like- I'm
1: <laughs> back. Oh, good times. Good times. I've still done that recently. So it's not just, you know, you oh, okay. You make me fine. feel better and you're a pro yeah. at those. So, okay, good. Oh gosh.
0: Well, I want to go back to the beginning because this is all going to be fun, but let's hear your story. So I know you were a gymnast for a little bit. I was a gymnast for a little bit, but like, were you pretty high level? Were you just kind of mm-hmm. getting started? Like what was your transition into diving? Yeah, like?
1: yeah it was a little bit of an overlap. Because I started in gymnastics before I got into diving and my older sister, though, we were at a YMCA and she was in a swim class there and they had free time on the diving board Nice. (laughs) and the diving coach who ran a little team there was like, oh, she has a natural ability. So she started and then I saw her and couldn't resist diving too. But I did gymnastics like probably two or three years before I started diving and then I did them together for about five or six years, I think I was. Oh, going. did you? Yeah, I did gymnastics for nine years altogether. Yeah, so I was level nine when I quit gymnastics, yeah.
0: So how on earth, know. with the amount of time that gymnastics takes, because I mean, like when I was doing it, it was school and then four or five hours after school, like how do you yeah. also do diving with that and also improve at that level?
1: <laughs> I don't know, somehow when you're younger, you don't really know what the <laughs> extremities of what you're doing are. <laughs> like, I don't know if that is the right word, but it was very extreme all the time. I would go to gymnastics right after school for like three hours. Then I'd go to diving. And then on the weekends, I would go to gymnastics like Friday and Saturday. We didn't have diving Mm -hmm. and we'd already have to drive an hour out to diving. So I would just go five hours of gymnastics those days. Yeah, it was just like. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. So not only are you doing like three hours of gymnastics and like probably two hours of diving or something, you were also driving an hour out to diving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I need to talk to your mom. Is she like, I, I have, know. I have kids that are athletes now same. and there's I don't think there's any way I would do that. I don't know.
1: Can you imagine? Uh, no, I can't even believe she did that. Luckily my siblings did diving too. And so they would jump in the car and then they would all come and get me from gymnastics. I'd have a little lunchbox in the car. I'd eat refuel. <laughs> <laughs> get to my diving practice.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. So what made you finally decide like, since you were doing it for so long at the same time, yeah. what made you decide like, okay, diving's the one I want to keep pursuing.
1: Well, one, I had such good friends in it. My friend, Diana Wilcox was in it, you know, the Wilcox. Um, sibling, that <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Jonathan, they were all such inspirations to me. And so I would watch them and I was so inspired by them yeah, exactly mm-hmm. and then Diana was my best friend growing up so it's like when you're a little you want to be by your best friend and that was one really big push and my siblings were with me and I was also really ambitious when I was younger already so I was like I think I can go to the Olympics in this sport because I was raising higher in the sport more quickly than in gymnastics so I was yeah. like if I had to pick one that I'm gonna be on an Olympic team for I think diving is the one. <laughs>
0: That's pretty cool. So how quickly did that happen for you? Like, were you a pretty successful junior athlete?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think right into my freshman year, I went and doing gymnastics and then I actually broke my leg after that. I was like, okay, I'm, if I'm going to come back to anything, it's just going to be diving. I think I kind of knew right before that I might've kind of stepped away from gymnastics. And I was thinking if I really am missing it, I can try to come back. Then I broke my leg and it was a whole nother story. Yeah. I just had a misdiagnosis on a, a stress fracture that turned oh. into a break, but it was called growing pains. And, um, they said, just push through the pain. And you know, I did
0: <laughs> tell it broke. That's <laughs> sad. We do what we're told, right? Yeah. I know You already know you've done yeah. the same
1: thing. Here. That is
0: not cool. So you said something about yeah. in the bio that you sent me that that actually helped you learn a lot about visualization but you also learned that from your uncle, like right around Mm -hmm. that time, like walk me through all of that. That's really cool. You learned that at such a young age.
1: Yeah. My gymnastics coach, Igor, who I really think of as family. I mean, I grew up in the gym with him for nine years, you know, he's such a great coach. I think coaches can shape our life so much. So when you have good ones, it's kind of life altering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so Igor connected me with, Michael Reams, who is not my blood relative, but I call him my uncle because he became like my family. I have a lot of those family members now. I love and, it. And um, yeah, so he is in USA weightlifting and he was a judge, a coach. He grew up competing in weightlifting. So he passed that on to me. And then when I couldn't be in the water because of my broken leg, he talked to me about visualization and trying to imagine my dives, imagine myself doing it from an outside perspective in mm-hmm. my body all of the sensory things going on that, you know, hearing the water whooshing, like hearing the air go by your ears when you're Mm -hmm. flipping, trying to really feel like you're in it. Yeah. And that really changed my whole perception of how to go about training. Was that hard for you to start doing? Yeah, really hard because, you know, I just see myself smack all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm really glad you said that because a lot of people think it's so easy and I'm just going to show up to the meet and I'll visualize my dive before I go and then I'll go. But it's really yeah. not. If you're like doing it right, for most I people, know. it is like I would say for like probably 98% of people, it does not come that easy. So it takes practice, yeah. right? Because you do. Like the yeah. first time I tried to like visualize a reverse dive is on my face every single time. It took a lot of time and a lot of like, okay, I'm going to pause that. I'm going to like reverse it a little bit. I'm going to go right. frame by frame, you
1: know? It's, oh, it's I love hard, that. right? It's so hard. How did you feel when you first tried it? Like it took a while to get it, right for you. It too. took a
0: while, but yeah. I had also broken my foot, you know, and that was know. a lot of quality time to just sit there on the pool deck and work on it. Uh-huh. you know. So it sucked, obviously the time, but yeah. the back, it was such a blessing and like a gift of time to do something yeah. outside the box like that. And it sounds like it was kind of like that for you too.
1: Yeah. The silver linings can really come into play in ways that you don't expect for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I love that. I mean, you won an Olympic gold medal after that. So you really have a good experience with visualization. (laughs) I don't honestly say it was
0: because of it. You know what I mean? Like I, I was, I was good enough to make the team. I think I probably would have made the team, but I don't think I would have stood on the top of the podium without breaking my foot. Like, does it just, it changed me that much. Like it forced me to do things that I never would have done otherwise for the amount of time I would ever would have done for like three months, you know? And that yeah. Uh, yeah, was, it It changed. No choice. <laughs> yeah. So like our obstacles aren't always like these horrible things. Like they're not always great experiences, yeah. but they can change us and equip us in like amazing ways. Right.
1: That's true. I mean, you did have a choice, but you chose the harder route to try to push yourself. <laughs> well,
0: when you're going after your dreams, you don't feel like you have a choice, right? You're like, I'm going to do I, this because no. I'm going to get there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's only one road. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh, that's funny. Well, you also, so you have a lot of We'll say adopted family members like Uncle Mike, I guess, that taught you all yes. these things. Yes. But you also have blood relatives, a grandmother who also has some Olympic history. Tell us about her.
1: Yeah. So my dad's mom, my Grammy Lane, who was just kind of 30 minutes away from me in Seattle. So I would see her all the time. She competed in the 1948 London Olympic Games, and she was a track athlete for Canada, actually. I have a whole Canadian side of my family from British Columbia. Nice. Yeah. So she competed in high jump and long jump, and she was a champion in track. She would travel the world. She was on a bunch of world teams. You know, she was an incredible athlete from when she was a young girl and she would travel alone. She was totally um an independent person from mm-hmm. a very young age, especially in a time where women were didn't have a lot of power respect. So she mm-hmm. had to demand it a lot. Yeah. Wow. So
0: what kind of yeah. things did you learn from her growing up, do you think? Like, do you have any? Were there any big aha moments or just like these little things all the time? Or how did that influence sure. you? I,
1: I think just from a young age, just the feeling of being around her, she had this aura of just sheer force mm-hmm. <laughs> around her that nothing would stand in her way ever. And just kind of growing up with that influence really impacted me that I just don't take no for an answer. And <laughs> I, I think like I came it. from her a lot, yeah. that's
0: for- Did it feel like, because she was an Olympian and there's somebody in your family who did this that like, well, I can do that too. Or did it still feel like this kind of mythical? (laughs) I don't know. For me, it always felt I I wanted to, but I didn't know anybody who did it. So it was still kind Mm -hmm. of like this weird, like maybe that only happens on TV.
1: Oh, (laughs) Oh, that's cool to hear. I think it was both at the same time. Like they weren't mutually exclusive for me. I thought it was something like far away In like Narnia or something. (laughs) 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 Like open the closet door I'm going through. (laughs) But I still could see it was possible through my grandma. Yeah.
0: Uh, That's very cool. I love it. That's a great description. I feel like the Olympics are a little bit like opening the door to Narnia (laughs) and walking through this whole other world. It is. Right. Oh Oh my gosh. gosh. Okay. So tell me about the transition for you from high school to college. Because you went to Florida State when Pat Jeffries was still there. Yeah you know what, that transition for some people is super smooth. And for some people, it's not like, how was it for yeah. you?
1: It was a little bit bumpy at first, I think, because I was so focused in a way sheltered growing up from a lot of life and just people and things happening. And so it took me a second to kind of understand that I could stay focused with a lot of distractions. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And you're in a dorm and there's so many people running around and, you know, I went a little boy crazy for a while. I had a couple boyfriends. You know, I didn't really have time for too many boyfriends growing
0: up. (laughs) She's just spending seven hours after school doing sports.
1: (laughs) So I know I was distracted for a little bit, but I always was working as hard as I could at practice. Like that never changed. I think just my level of focus sometimes would veer. And then Patrick really reeled me in from the get go. You know how he is. Mm -hmm. He's straightforward. And I love that about him. And he knew what my dreams were. And he's like, this is what you got to do if you want to get there. So, you know, choose now. And he helped me realize, like, all the other stuff can happen whenever in my life. But this is something like I have the opportunity right there. And so I just kind of zeroed in with him. And I had the dreams of going to Rio Olympics with Pat, for sure.
0: That's so cool. So was Olympic dreams like always on your mind? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, early on.
0: Well, and I love that because for those listening, Pat, he coaches at Stanford now. He was at Florida State, but he is also a two-time Olympian. I love him. And he was a coach in 2000 on my first games. We went to some trips together, too. He's a great guy. So shout out, Pat, if you're listening. We'll have to to make him listen now. (laughs) (laughs) Was college all
1: that you hoped it would
0: be? Like, how did you compete in college?
1: Yeah, I honestly thought I was going to do a lot better collegially than I did. I don't know what it was about college, but it was a tricky scenario. It just felt like there was always like so many meets the dual meets, the invitationals. I think I wanted it so bad that I wasn't staying in the moment with it. I wanted to like be at the top the whole time. And I was just really kind of like not process oriented. I was like Mm -hmm. looking from outward into like, I want to be on the top of the podium. I want to be like, first NCAA national championship, you know, and that didn't become my reality for college. And so it kind of scared me because I'm like, if I'm not doing in college, how am I going to become an Olympian? How am I going to be on the podium in the world championships? You know? And so it really tested my belief in myself. How did you change that? I, you know, I definitely went through a time where I was like, I don't know if my dreams are, are for me, like the dreams that I have, are always going to be something that I want, but is it something I can actually achieve? Do I need to let go of them? And that was very depressing for me. (laughs) That's a hard question
0: to ask yourself.
1: And I still like, I think it's something I'll always deal with because I'm an overthinker by nature. No matter when the process is happening, I'm always like, am I able to do what I really want to do? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you just kind of have to like, listen to that and let it pass by and just kind of keep zooming in, you know, to mm-hmm. your goals. So that's kind of what I did. I just kind of used the never take no, even for myself, like don't listen to the no's from yourself because they weren't from anybody else. It's just me telling you like, you might not be able to do this. Like, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I hear those thoughts, let them pass by. And now let's go train. Let's try to be in the moment.
0: I love that because no matter what great things our coach says, right? Or our friends say, like it's our voice in our head, like 24 yeah. seven, right? So that has to be a good one. It has yeah. to be speaking that encouragement. No, that's awesome. Um, Did you ever
1: with any of that self doubt or? Yeah. I'm still,
0: I mean, always like, we're human, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, yeah. an imposter syndrome. Like even, even oh when you've gosh. done it, even when you've like won the Olympics right. or won the worlds or got yeah. all the medals or whatever, like you still like, well, can I do it again? Like, was I really, was it lucky? You know, there's always that like that guy that like sneaks in your brain, that voice of doubt, always trying to poke, you know, but yeah, Yeah. you have to just sit there and have those honest, hard conversations with yourself and then be like, okay, I'm going to stop listening to that voice because there's no reason for me to like consider what it's saying. Right.
1: Right. Like it's there and you accept it. For me, the acceptance has been a big part of me being successful in my career, I have to accept that I'm going to have those self-doubt moments and keep moving and not just stay stagnant and let that overwhelm me.
0: But I think that's good. I mean, isn't it nice to talk to another person who like also had those and is also a high achiever? Like so many high achievers have those. So like if you're listening and you have doubts, guess what? You're probably a high achiever or you want to be a high achiever and that's (laughs) normal. But like Katrina was saying, like, learn to recognize those doubts, accept that they're there, but don't accept what they're saying. You know, change the dialogue. Just go ahead and change the dialogue going on in your head. You have the ability to do that. When did the change come between college and Rio and Pat and then John coming in, John Proctor coming into FSU? Like, so what was this whole transition time like?
1: (laughs) Because it was a big one, it seems like. It was a big one because Patrick and I were so tight knit And I really saw him as my coach to go to the Olympics with, we were making huge progress and I was doing better in the end of my college career with, you know, NCAA stuff and everything. I was starting to get closer to where I wanted to be. And then Patrick told me that he was going to Stanford and that was a huge blow to me, but I was super excited at the same time because what a career life-changing moment for him. I knew it was a dream job for him. So I I could understand that, but I was also heartbroken. Yeah. but he said, don't worry. I'm going to find the perfect fit for you. We're already talking to a great coach. I didn't know who he, he was talking about this time. And then here comes John Proctor and he and I just hit it right away. started oh. quoting Will Ferrell movies right away. You know, Talladega night. We're just like, you know, we're just both ridiculous people. And I mean, that in a <laughs> loving way.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: So I was like, oh, this is an amazing person. Okay, Pat was right. He brought in a great fit for me. (laughs) And then on top of that, John is a phenomenal coach. Mm -hmm. So he just has this way of explaining things that totally translated in my brain just like that.
0: That is very cool. And, And what year was that?
1: That must have been 2014, maybe the end of 2014 because I graduated in 2015 and I had one season, collegiate season with John. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: That's cool. So talk to me about the buildup now. Like 2016 is approaching. You mm-hmm. do like this new coach. You're getting settled in with them. You guys are kind yeah. of finding your groove. I'm sure the doubts are still like trickling in there. Like, how did you yeah. prepare yourself going into 2016?
1: Oh man, I feel like it's such a blur of events because I graduated and then I had that year to go into 2016, which was kind of nice because my classes were over. So I was able to totally hyper On diving, I think I was. Which can be, that can be good and bad. Did that have any like downside to it? (laughs) Oh, totally. Like, yeah, it felt like a little bit scary to have that much time to think about the possibilities. (laughs) 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 That definitely scared me. (laughs) But luckily, my husband now, he wasn't my husband then, but, um, Misha Kaufman, you can call him Mike Misha, whatever you want. Gotcha. he, he had many aliases.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he is an actor now. So I'd assume he has quite a few personalities now too. <laughs> he,
1: he always did. But now like he's showing the world. Them, now, you know? now he's getting paid for it. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, oh boy. And, um, so he knew how to lift the weight off of my shoulders. And I really needed him to in that year leading up to the Olympics. And you know, he is such a buoyant energy in life and I'm a very like heavy go-getter energy. (laughs) So we like balance each other really well. So he would talk to me about like, life will go on if you don't make the team, you know, you're going to be fine. We have an awesome life ahead of us. All is good, you know, and he would really balance me out. So I have to say in that year, he helped me a lot.
0: That's cool. That's great to have such a support person like that, you know, I love that. Like, walk me through trials because I remember I was, I got to be on deck with NBC, like doing some reporting and stuff and following you guys around like a crazy person. That was really fun. But it was so cool to watch you because you were in a different place on that pool deck than I had seen you. Like, talk to me about
1: that. You know, going into the individual competition, prelims was rough. I think semis got a little bit better. And then John kind of laid into me a bit. And, you know, he told me like, you are capable of more than you're putting forth. And there's nothing to hold back at this point because I was already behind. So he said, I just put my heart on the line and show what I'm capable of and just be myself. I think I was trying too hard. I was trying to be more than I was and what I am and what I was is enough. And I felt like I had to change who I was to become an Olympian. And that's not the truth. It's actually quite opposite. (laughs) And so he and I had a heart to heart and you know, he did really push me and land to me and it was hard for me to hear, but I'm so thankful that he did that because in the finals, I literally was just like, if this is the last dive every time, my last list of dives, I want to like be myself fully. Mm -hmm. So I did that and, you know, it turned out great.
0: (laughs) That's really cool. So how, how do you like flip that switch and what does it mean to you to be yourself when you're competing? Mm -hmm.
1: I think I have to revisit this all of the time because I'm always nervous going into a competition, even if it's a small competition, a big competition. I think for me, I'm just going to be that person who's always nervous. I don't really think I was necessarily built as a competitor, although I've always been very competitive. It's a very like ironic mix of (laughs) emotions for me. (laughs) Like every time going into it, I'm like, I'm going to throw up. I feel horrible. Why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) And then somewhere in the middle, I really get like lost in the energy of competition. And for me, it's more of a performance than anything. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how I shift it. My perception of competing is performing to my best ability, not trying to like be better than another person. It's more performance based.
0: Ooh, I like that performance space. That's really cool. And, and just so you know, I think being nervous is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Not that <laughs> sure. I want you to throw up all the time or anything. No, but like, no, no. You know, when we're nervous, like it means we care. It means it matters True. to us, right? If we're not nervous, True. maybe that should make us nervous. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think some <laughs> I like nerves that. are good. I think that's healthy. I think that means you're like, you're ready and this you're queued up and, and this that. is important. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also like that you touched on you were trying too hard. I totally feel that with like 100% of my being like that's such an easy yeah. thing to fall into. We feel like we have to come to these meets mm-hmm. and suddenly show up in a different way and be somebody else and put on some yeah. magical performance that we've never done before. <laughs> but really, like my coach explained it to me like this. Let's see this resonates with you. He said, it's not that you go into these meets and rise up to some magical level that you've never done before you've done all this in practice. What makes it seem like you rise up is that you do what you've been doing in practice in front of all of these people and the cameras in that environment. And that's what makes it look like you're rising to the occasion, right? Because just like what you said is we're trying too hard, but then what did you do in finals? You just started doing what you were doing. Like you started being yourself because that was enough. What you were already capable of was enough. It just had to be in that environment, right?
1: Wow. That's a cool way to explain it. I love that. Like, the perception shift again for me, because it all is kind of smoke and mirrors at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. We're just trying, we're just a single totally. human out on the platform doing some flips and some tricks and trying not to make splash. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's diving in a nutshell right there. <laughs> there uh,
0: you go. No, that's, that's cool. Perfect. I love that explanation. You made the team and and I just, uh, the whole time was awesome. So like you make the team, describe what that felt like.
1: Oh man, it took me a while to process it. Like even that night, Kelly McCormick, Kelly Robertson is her married name, but she coached me a lot growing up and she was also an Olympic hero and such an inspiration. And so she gave me her ring. And so I was, I remember just like laying in the hotel bed, just touching her ring on my finger, like this isn't real. This isn't real. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and I had to convince myself and that I kept touching her ring and I just couldn't, I really couldn't believe I was an Olympian at that point. It was really cool. That's so neat.
0: So tell us about the Olympics. What was it like? Walking? Yeah. Did you do opening ceremonies and all the things? I did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In Rio, I, I did all of that. It was such an exciting Olympic Games. And just, you know, Brazil is full of life and color and dancing. And that all came out during the opening ceremonies. You were there announcing, right? So yeah. you saw yeah. a lot of it too. Yeah. It was very cool. It was a really, it was a really magical Olympics, I would say. And I think there was some time of doubt in my head, like, you know, I placed 13th. And so I just missed the finals by, I think, a few points. And that was hard for me to swallow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't really blame myself. There was a lot of energy and I was going back and forth in my own head. And it's just, you know, always a learning process, no matter how many times you go through it, whether you're on a world stage, an Olympic stage, a national stage, you really have to put yourself in the moment and be okay with being uncomfortable. And I think I kind of hid from that a little bit during the semifinals. I was more withdrawn. I was nervous, scared to put myself out there. And, you know, it shows up in your performance. So I, I learned a lot from that about myself.
0: Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. Well, did you know going into Rio that you were going to keep diving after that? Or were you, no, did you kind of no. make you made that? OK, so walk us through afterward. Yeah. Like, did you have the post Olympic blues? We've talked about this on the show quite a few times yeah. in the past. Because sure. it seems like it's pretty normal. And sometimes it hits people right yeah. away. Sometimes it's six months later. Like, did you experience
1: right. it? Yeah, I, I think I did in my own way. Um, and I took some time away from diving and I started getting back into my music a lot. And that really was like a therapeutic way for me to deal with it.
0: Let's sidetrack real quick. Tell us about Because you, you're a music <laughs> major, but you're also, yeah. and we'll get to this later, you're also out in LA singing and stuff. So like, tell, tell me a little bit about your music
1: you know, I always wanted to be in music growing up and I did some lessons with a great teacher called Tim Noah and he's a children's singer amongst many other accolades to him in Seattle. So shout out Tim Noah. He's amazing. And so I did a lot of, I did some piano lessons, voice lessons with him, but never really anything that was totally like music theory based or the sight singing and everything that you do in a music based school, like um, what I did at Florida State. So. When I went to Florida State, you had to audition to get in, and you got to do all these technical things that I had no idea how to do. Oh wow! <laughs> I just did my best to kind of fake my way through it. <laughs> fake until you make it, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, some for some reason they let me into the school. <laughs> Maybe I told a joke or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they were no, short were on some... the quota that year. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. And, I know. I, uh, it's okay. I, however I got in, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man. So actually some amazing people, Dr. Larry Gerber. There's so many great people that helped me in the school of music get to that place. And I think there was one other athlete that was in the school of music because it's a whole curriculum based thing where you have to go to concerts after class and oh, you have wow. to go to 15 per sem- per semester and you have to perform a certain amount of times. And so doing that like with a college season is a little chaotic. A little? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I've been trained for this. I did gymnastics and diving growing up. I can
0: do two things. <laughs> That's why. That's why you did all those hours in the gym. I, okay.
1: It's all clear to me That's now. why. It all makes sense. Yeah. So I just learned a lot about the structure of music, you know, the mathematics of chords and intervals between notes and like what all of those technical things are that I had no idea what they were before. So that helped me understand why a certain piece of music sounds this way and what a minor chord is, what a major, you know, all those little things that you don't really think about otherwise. So after I was done with school, I took kind of a little time away. I was still playing music for myself, but not performing as much. And when I had those post-Olympic blues, I returned to my music and started playing guitar with my friend, Gordon Scott, who has a Beautiful history with music, and him and his wife have played in Florida and in the South forever. So I learned a lot about old time and country music, and really fell in love with country and bluegrass through Thanks. their guidance. Yeah,
0: I love it when you'll post little blurbs of you like playing a song or something. I'm like, oh, just so it's so chill. Like I love it. I love your voice. I love you playing. <laughs> it's everything. my therapy. It's Feels like my therapy when I'm listening. Oh, good. It. Good. So it's fun. It's fun. That's cool that you had an outlet like that. Like, had you picked up guitar before, or was that new?
1: I had, but not like consistently like I was at that point. And then I started just trying to like understand how to accompany myself, how to be in a band, how to like play chords for the rhythm in a band and then how to like get up as the lead too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How
0: long did it take you to kind of figure out if you wanted to keep going?
1: Probably took a good year before I really knew and um, was back in the water kind of full time. And that took a lot of like conversations with John and a lot of conversations with my family. My mom and dad are so supportive. And so, yeah, I have a really great support system. I think that's important. If you can find your community, Mm -hmm. they can really be like your backbone for sure. So it took probably a good year. And then I was like, you know, I really want to like see if I can get past that threshold, get into the finals. So that was kind of like one of the big reasons I came back.
0: So with that goal in mind and like moving forward, one thing too is a lot of athletes, especially in a smaller sport like ours where sponsors aren't mm-hmm. as prevalent. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times you might have to work a full time job or something and like yeah. dive afterward or train afterward. Like, how did you make that work? Was it support mm-hmm. from your family or did, were you working as well? Like, or was there enough stipend from something? Like, how did you make it work mm-hmm. just functionally that way?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say it was a mix of all of those things. I never have had any big sponsorships or anything just to this day. I've had things here and there, but nothing that supported me full time and the stipends come and go. And I appreciate them every time they're there. Mm -hmm. But if you are not on a world team for a year, you know, it's gone. So I actually worked as a personal trainer for a long time. Oh, nice. And that helped support me. And my husband supported me and my family would help wherever they could too. And so I had a lot of different people at play. And um, yeah, it was definitely a mix and match of (laughs) monetary support. And it's not like it's an easy process. If you want to be in this sport in particular, I think you have to really want it. And it's um, very pay to play based. You have to want to pay for it. It's not like you're living a glamorous life.
0: Yes, we do our sport because we love our sport, right? We do. (laughs) We have to love it. Nobody else would do this. Exactly. Well, like in that pursuit to your second Olympic games, to making the finals there, you got two bronzes at the worlds in 2019, like in synchro and a mixed team event. Like it seemed like things were kind of coming together. And then as we all know, the world shut down and the Olympics were postponed a year. Like, what was that time like for you?
1: Yeah, that was, A very confusing time (laughs) because I had planned to get married in 2021, like a year after the Olympics. And I had like this whole vision of how my life was going to progress post 2020. So I just had to reimagine. We actually ended up doing a wedding in 2020, like a small family wedding. It was beautiful on Martha's Vineyard. And somehow we pulled that off thanks to my sister-in-law, Marina. She, you know, is our unofficial official wedding planner, we call her. Nice. (laughs) Went the crate, yeah, he pulled no. off a
0: wedding, not only putting yeah. it a year early in Martha's Vineyard <laughs> during COVID, too. Like, for those of you listening, we were at the Winter Nationals in Tennessee back in December of 2023. <laughs> a few of us had lunch together and we were laughing so hard as Katrina is reenacting telling us the whole story about how her wedding came to be. Oh it was boy. absolutely awesome. I'm it still was so a wild time.
1: <laughs> it was a wild time for sure. And you know what? It was like everything was supposed to be the way it was supposed to be. And I recall my dad walking me down the aisle and it brings me to tears because it was a really special moment in the midst of total world chaos. So I'm so grateful for that.
0: What a special memory. That's so awesome. So you guys got married a year early instead and you're still plugging away training. Like what was the difference you think going into 2021 versus going into 2016?
1: Well, you know, with everything that changed, I was going to John Proctor, my coach at the time, his house and lifting in his garage. He had a home gym. We brought some mats from the pool and we would do flips in his driveway. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. And I was working out with a track Olympian, Kimmy Williams for Jamaica. And she's a triple jumper. So we would do different plyometric workouts. I'd try to follow her. I'm like, what can I do that's outside of my training? So I was doing jumping exercises and running around the block and trying to stick with her. And she's so much faster, you know, and it was hilarious. I was like chasing her.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I wish we had video of this. Please tell me there's proof. (laughs) I don't know. She probably has some.
1: John can attest to it. I would come back and just like lay down on the pavement and like not be able to breathe.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's odd. We all thought outside the box a little bit that year, I think. Oh that's so funny.
1: Yeah, so it took me a while to be able to get back into my pool. I don't even recall how long of a time I really had before trials. It wasn't nearly as much as I wanted, but you know, it was enough to get me to a pretty solid. So yeah, then came the Olympic trials and that was another I love to put on a show for people make them think I'm not going to make it and then pull it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so was it almost identical to 2016 or was yeah, it totally different? It though?
1: Was, it actually wasn't identical because I led through prelims and semis. I was first through both of those. And then I missed my second dive, my back three and a half, which is like my hardest dive for me mentally, not physically, but mentally, let it be noted. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. So I, I went way over. I, I overshot it. I overtried, you know, those old habits can kick back in sometimes. Yes. <laughs> then I fell behind. So everybody started overtaking me. And it came down to the last dive, and I needed to hit it, and I did just enough.
0: <laughs> nice. And snag that yeah. spot on your second Olympic yeah. team. That had to feel good. Um,
1: oh, yeah. It was a huge relief. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, walking into 2021, it was a totally different experience from Rio, wasn't it? Like, describe yeah. some of those differences.
1: Yeah. I mean, we sat in the airport when we got to Tokyo for like eight hours, just trying to get out of the airport because they were COVID testing us and we we're laying on the pavement. We were so tired. Oh, it was a rough one. I understand like the hesitancy. They need to make sure like you're not going into Tokyo with like a sickness, you know, like I get it, but it was still brutal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we got to the village and, you know, there's testing every day. You know, it could have been worse. We were just spitting a little tube every morning and stuff. And oh, that's not bad.
0: Okay, no, no, like <laughs> Q-tips way up the nose every day. No, oh, thank goodness. Good. I know.
1: I was worried about my nasal passage as a singer. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. don't be sticking that too far. Right. You know, I got to use that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to need that later. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it was a really odd environment. I think most people. I don't know. I think a lot of people were got kind of used to it. For me, it always felt a little off. Yeah. Just no crowd and stuff. Like, was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. There's no crowd there. I just, I was, you know, sad that my family couldn't come and Mm -hmm. I try, I should have probably gotten over that part of it quicker. I think I kind of let myself feel bad about the situation more than I should have. And it was hard for some reason to pull myself out of that emotion. I think I'm very empathetic. So I feel like the weight of the world when I don't really need to, it's not like my responsibility to feel certain things. Right. And obviously it was such a sad and traumatic time in the world. So it was hard to like, feel like, Oh, I'm at the Olympics, you know? So Mm -hmm. it just was a lot. (laughs) I gotcha.
0: And how, how was it? How did you end up competing there?
1: Yeah. Not great. (laughs) (laughs) Not great. I mean, I, it was pretty rough. Uh, I didn't make it to finals, you know, I, I had a hard time and, I really don't think I gave myself like a big shot in it. I mean, during the training leading up to it, I felt like I was doing way better than when I competed. I honestly think I burnt myself out before I even got to the competition. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So processing after that, like, how do you decide whether now to keep going again or whether (laughs) to move on?
1: I definitely didn't plan on being in the sport. currently. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Although like, you know, it's so funny how when you are 30 and past people have just marked you as like kind of irrelevant at that point. Yeah. You're old, you know. you're a has-been. Yep. And I feel like that kind of fuels my fire whenever people poke and... <laughs> like, is. Oh, you want to say that? Okay. <laughs> keep talking. Just keep talking. <laughs> nice. You get it. Yeah. But, um, honestly, I think it just took some time away. I took six months off completely and yeah, was trying to think of like how to take next steps in my life. And if I wanted to pursue diving, how that would look because I didn't want to just put all my eggs in one basket and not start building blocks for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I wanted to pursue. I still want to be a musician. I still want to have a career as a performer. And um, I mean, I think there's a beautiful music scene in Tallahassee, but I really felt like I needed to be somewhere that I could network and be on stage more, be around producers, people who could help me get to the place I want to be in you know, record an album and everything because I love songwriting and that part comes naturally to me. So I just had to figure out how am I going to put all those pieces together while still trying to pursue this other career in diving. Mm -hmm. So L.A. came to mind.
0: (laughs) So, okay, how did this come about? Because you guys have moved all the way across the country from Tallahassee to L.A., and yeah. you're training with a totally different coach, totally different environment. Like, <laughs> I mean, was this sought after like was it just because of the music career? Was it multiple things? Was it like we are done with diving and we're pursuing this other stuff? And then you just happen to be able to dive
1: there also. Like which, oh, which yeah. thing kind of
0: informed the other?
1: I honestly couldn't say the exact like combination because I'm very um, what is it called? Spontaneous.
0: Okay. okay. So that, okay, wait, wait. And, this yeah.
1: is very impressive
0: to me that you are an overthinker, but yet you're spontaneous. I feel like this think, is almost I, an oxymoron a little bit.
1: <laughs> I think I have no choice but to be spontaneous because if I sit there and think about it too much, I'll just like think my way into sitting there longer. All right.
0: Okay. This makes, So that's your like defense mechanism or right? your offense <laughs> mechanism, I guess, right? I'm just going to make a decision and then I'll overthink about it later. <laughs> <That kind>
1: okay. <of laughs> I love you, it. How, you have me figured out. Oh my gosh. Awesome. I love it. Therapy session complete. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This is so funny. Okay. So yeah. so was
0: it mainly your decision or was Mike like, yeah, I'm gonna be an actor too? Or
1: <laughs> oh no, he had no idea what he was gonna do here, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Cause he was in the hospitality industry. He was had plans to open a a bar in Florida. Mm -hmm. He had worked in that industry so long and he was phenomenal at it. He's been a brewer. He's, you know, run a tasting room. He's run a whole business, like a whole brewery. So he was like, you know, I'm really good at this. And everybody like loved everything he would ever put out every micro brew and everything in that industry. So he's like, you know, let's do this. This will be a great living. I was like, yeah, just kidding, babe. We're going to LA. Was he like any holdout or was he like, all right, let's go. I mean, what what was his reaction? Honestly, like he is just like, I can't even explain how supportive of a person he is to me. Mm. He is just there for it, you know, and he's very go with the flow. Although he loves to plan. He's the planner in the family. He's thinking 10 steps ahead. I'm already like, wait, did I do that last thing right? And he's like, come on, we're still moving. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so um when i talked to him about it he's like well let's go visit because he hadn't i don't think he'd been to la at that point and i came here for a team usa event when i kind of fell in love with it in um 2019 actually right mm. mm-hmm. yeah i think 2019 right before worlds that kind of changed my idea about what la was because it was a lot more community-based than you think about you think of a very cutthroat mm-hmm. very like crazy industries here But there's some really incredible, warm people here too. And that really showed me that part of it. And I kind of fell in love with that idea as well. So I talked to him about that. We took a trip out here. Luckily, we have good friends out here through the diving community who have helped us get on our feet. So couldn't have done it without them either. And so there's a lot of people who have helped us get here because it's not like an easy place to move and to afford rent and all that fun stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) So at what point did he decide to become an actor?
1: Yeah. So I think we were here for maybe six months and he had just kind of met some actors and he kind of talked to them about how they got into it. And he started doing a little bit of like smaller, he would just go audition for like smaller roles and he had never had any acting experience. And he got these roles just from his charisma, I guess. And I mean, don't tell him that I said this, but his good looks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's your husband. I think you're allowed to say that.
1: <laughs> I think I'm allowed, but we don't want his ego to get too big. Okay. You know? Fair. You know, so he just kind of like fell in love with it. He was on sets that he was around really amazing actors, you know, Jennifer Garner and um, Reese Witherspoon, people that like, he's never starstruck, but I told him if I were there, I would have a hard time not like coming up to me like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're at all. You know, it'd be (laughs) so annoying. (laughs) So luckily he just doesn't get starstruck, but he really admired their craft and watched them doing the full scenes. And I was like, you know, I think that eventually I could get there. So- he took a step back and now he's in acting school and studying the Meisner technique, which is a, a major technique of being authentic and kind of like an improvisation technique of your emotions, but in a certain role. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's he cool. started learning so much about acting. He went to Groundlings, which is an actual improvisation school. Will Ferrell, um, Melissa McCarthy went there. So many like huge actors have gone to, that's what's cool about LA is year round. around a lot of great schools and, mm-hmm. and people who have done the things that you're trying to do.
0: Yeah. That's really neat and inspiring for sure. Yeah. So what's the transition been like from John Proctor to Hong Ping Lee, who I, I love, like all your coaches are very special <laughs> to me in different ways. So what has they it been are. like training with Hong Ping? Cause that's a totally different environment having a Chinese coach.
1: I love that, you know, all of them pretty darn well, right? So, <laughs> Diving is our
0: small little community. We all know I each other.
1: Them. I know. Let's just say like with John and I, I would definitely, like I said, be doing Will Farrell like I was, gonna say, I was gonna say, does Hong Ping even know who Will Farrell is? <laughs> I, I would I would say I would say a lot of my little scenes that I used to do are not really like relevant in my current scenario. <laughs> nice. I definitely like cursed a couple of times coming out of the water and I feel real and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know. But <laughs> actually Hongping is very like laid back about that he you know he's such a good person and he just laughs at me (laughs) so in a lot of ways I think that me coming here is in thanks to Hongping because when I took a trip here to just check it out I went and visited him and he was like what so why are you here I gave him no heads up (laughs) walk out of the pool deck. I'm like hey can I join your team
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I know. So he made it work and he did all the paperwork. And, you know, I have to credit him so much. And then now working with him, he's such a focused coach with so much forethought as far as like what the scenario needs to like lay out as. Like, if I want to do this, then I need to be on 10 meters six months before that. And like every week. And he's so structured, which is incredible for me because I'm just a fly by the, you know, the sea kind of gal. So. <laughs> It's great. So I'm I'm loving working with him. And he's like, he gets me. He knows I'm a little wacky and he's totally fine. with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. You guys work well together. It looks like we are, you know, six months ish out of yeah. trials and Olympics for Paris. How yeah. are you feeling with everything?
1: I know six months, man, time is flying by. And now I was thinking about this the other day. Like the reason I came back is to try and be myself really at the end of the day at the Olympic games and mm-hmm. just try to wear my heart on my sleeve like I've learned before is the best way to approach the whole thing and now it's coming about and I'm definitely feeling like anxious I wake up you know feeling like oh you know those little anxious vibes I'm trying to just kind of stay in the moment and keep training and I've definitely been grinding away at the pool I mean I got up in the middle of the night to go get some water and my legs almost gave it oh no oh, god <laughs> I feel that you're in that part there of the okay, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Nice. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah. But, you know, I will definitely say Hong Ping will push me as far as I can go. But he trusts me when I say I need to back off. He doesn't let me ever feel bad for myself or try to not do something because I'm like, I just don't feel like it today. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Good. So I really love that. He's very straightforward. And I need that. I really want somebody who will always like push me for the betterment of my diving and not let me like sit back on my hindquarters and feel like, oh, I don't want to do it today. You know? Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's a balance there, right? Like, are we really yes. injured or tired or do we need to push through this? Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I have to bring it up because you mentioned it earlier, but like back three and a half has been a little bit of this nemesis for you. Like, what is it about that dive that you feel like gives you those? I don't know, whatever it is, like causes the issues.
1: Yeah, I think it's like the lack of trust in myself to be able to do the dive well, because on my club team growing up, I was really strong at fronts and inwards and in juniors, you didn't have to do the optionals for a back or gainer if you did the voluntaries of them, which for people who don't know diving, the voluntary is like the easier dive, just like a half dive. And then the optionals, you spin more. So I would just do the easier version of the back and then do like the harder versions of the other dives to fill in the list. And so I really didn't like learn to spot. I think the spotting is really a hard one that I had to overcome. And now I am spotting and I've worked on it for so many years with Pat, with jump. Mm-hmm. with Hong Ping now. And I do have it and I have the ability to do the dive. It's just the lack of trust that gets me in the moment, like questioning, can I pull this dive off? So I'm still working on that currently with Karen Kogan, my awesome sports psych.
0: Shout out. We've had Karen on the show. Yeah. She, I dragged she her on don't... here
1: when I first started. Oh, I love oh. her.
0: She's going to come oh, back. I told you. her she has to come back on like leading into yes. to Paris and stuff because we got to talk about where all you athletes are in your head. <laughs> Not oh, specifically, ta- we're not going to call you out. Don't worry. <laughs> no. Tell
1: her she can call Just me Just to though. give
0: us broad strokes, you
1: know. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, so she's, sports psychology, as I'm sure, like now I know you talked about that and had her on, is such a, an integral tool to mm-hmm. becoming your best self as an athlete. And I definitely can say that she's helped me a huge amount working on that. And not to say I've felt like completely comfortable ever. I think that's one of the things, the acceptance that I'm never going to, be standing for doing a back three and a half and be like, oh yeah, this is easy. Like I got this. No, (laughs) I'm always going to have that fear in my stomach. Like, oh, can I do it? And trying to just accept that and just trust myself anyway, besides the doubt, decide to trust myself. So that's really kind of like what I'm working on. And then I'm doing like back three and a half, like three times a week right now. So that's helpful. Yeah. three different yeah. days of the week.
0: Yeah. I can relate to that. I had that problem with inwards. And so, I mean, there were oh, days okay. when all I did for practice was 20 inwards on 10 meter. I did oh, nothing no. else. Yeah. And let me tell you, you get to about 15, you're like, I'm kind of dizzy and I'm not real sure what I'm doing yeah. anymore. It's like, you know, you're I'm like, not sure if this oh my is still helping. <laughs> yeah. No, I could can, I can relate Horrible. to that. Yeah, I think maybe Hong right? King and Kenny have been talking. <laughs> you must have talked.
1: What's happening? You're going to cut their so
0: communication. Funny. I know, right? <laughs> No, I I like what you were saying about like trying to get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's really part of it, right? When you have to step like, because when do we grow? Do we grow in our comfort zone? No, you only grow and get better when you step out of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to be uncomfortable and knowing that like, it's okay to be scared. Like fear is totally normal. It's a totally human thing, but that is also the only time that you can be courageous, right? It's the only time you can be brave is when you are standing in the face of fear. Like if there's nothing to be scared of, you're not brave and you're
1: not courageous
0: because oh, there's nothing scary. You can only yeah. be this amazing, courageous person when you're facing fear. so like this is your opportunity to like become this yeah. courageous person choosing to believe in herself and and what she's yeah. capable of. so I'm excited to that. to watch you like rise up and crush this. I know it's Thank in you. you i've I've seen it Thank in you, you. I, I know it's there, so,
1: oh, so excited for, excited you, you know? for
0: you to start believing that and and walking it out Thank so you. Thank yeah. You so much. Of course. So I know you mentioned like getting back to singing. I know I'm all over the place because you got all these fun things going on. But I like love it. <laughs> you are now doing like monthly shows, right? You mm-hmm. said for your singing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that because I know you have something coming up uh, on the horizon.
1: So I've been lucky enough. Like I said, there are amazing people in L.A. And I met Mo, who owns Lit & Mo Photography. And he did my husband's headshots when he started acting. And we just became great friends. So he offered up his gallery once a month to me to put on my own show and buy whatever artists I want. And he's like, name it Katrina and friends, just bring your friends. And so it's it oh, really cool. like, yeah, it's super fun, super easy going. And I, you know, sing probably, you know, a little set 30, 30 to 45 minutes of music. And then I just put on all my friends Nice. <laughs> and everybody sings plays, everybody plays different instruments. And I've gotten into the comedy scene a little bit. And I love all the comedy around LA. So I'm wanting to incorporate that too. I, I love laughing. I've always loved Jim Carrey growing up, you know, all the adventures. I'm oh, like, yeah. come on, comedy is the best. So <laughs> yeah, it's music, comedy. Um, you know, I always have some wine and snacks there and it's just like a very relaxed environment on Friday night, every third Friday. And I love anybody who's into that kind of thing, please come. And it's a beautiful environment. Yeah. Just a lot of laughter and And people who appreciate the arts and anybody who really kind of wants to put themselves forward, I want them to have a space to do that that's comfortable. So that's kind of the intention too. And we always just donate the proceeds it's donation-based. And I actually met Jennifer Garner, funny enough, who is one of my heroes at what was a book talk from Adam Grant, who is amazing. And um, I recently met him and he invited me to his book tour talk. And then Jennifer Garner was his co host And so she talked about uh, this charity called Save the Children and it's a really great charity. So the last one we donated to that and this one is for breast cancer research and every month we just change it, you know.
0: That's very cool. Oh my gosh, I love it. All the good things happening there. So you guys, if you're local in the area, go check out Katrina and Friends at what is the place called again?
1: Lid and Mo Photography Studio.
0: Lid and Mo Photography Studio. Awesome. Awesome. So where can we follow you online to follow your journey, to find your true self and be your true self in Paris and cheer you on every step of the way?
1: Yeah, on Instagram, it's at Katrina Knoll. And then on Twitter, oh, X. It's X now, huh? Katrina Diver. Okay. Twix. Yeah, there we go. It's
0: Twitter X. What is it called? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's
1: X, yeah. I don't really use TikTok very much, but I do have one that's Katrina Young, Katrina.Young on there. I'll try to post on there. I'll do my best. (laughs) Nice. It's okay. We don't expect the world. I have to shout out, Grandstand is a new app that I'm using. It's really fun. And I'm going to be doing a lot of updates on there as well. So Grandstand. And it's an application. I have the link on my bio on Instagram.
0: Okay, so that's like an app you sign up for to get your like kind of notifications and news and that kind of stuff. The
1: updates, especially for any kind of competitions I have and just kind of the background stuff that I'm doing too. Very
0: cool. Well, thank you for coming on and being just real and your silly (laughs) self with us because you are just so much fun. But we are so excited and wish you the best of luck heading into Paris.
1: Thank you so much, Laura. I feel so like loved and just the energy you give me is really appreciated. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.